0: Good Saturday morning. Welcome to the Joy of Gardening by Brooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, your host. November 2nd, the dog days of late fall and early winter. It's a tough time of year. Uh, I always struggle with this time of year. Number one, because I really need to get ready to go away to camp. Uh, I'm a big deer hunter. I love to go away and just enjoy hunting season. It's a time for me to uh, reboot my mind, my body, my soul, and start thinking about next year. I know it's tough to think about that, but we're always a season ahead. And it's been a long, long year. It's been a wonderful year. We've had fabulous fall. Man, what a fall we had. It's been just amazing. 70 degree days during October, fabulous weather, you know amazing rain everything is kinda fallen into place this fall I hope you have done all the little tricks and things we've talked about you know you've gotten ahead I feel like I am in a great position this year I've really done a lot of the fall work ahead of schedule this year. You know, everything is cut back, everything's looking good, I'm cleaned up. You know, the last few things I need to do, clean the gutters, you know, wind up the hoses and drain them, shut off the water outside, drain those faucets, you know, do some of the last minute things that we leave just before Mother Nature really freezes everything up. So here we are, it's that time of year, it's time to think about wilt proof. You know, we've talked about that the last few weeks. And, uh, you know, I've been talking with Alan, uh, who calls into the show quite often via email, back and forth. And uh, he's done some research online about using Wilt Proof on your Endless Summer Hydrangea or your Blue Hydrangeas. So, maybe it's a good opportunity to try something new uh i know alan's gonna gonna try that and i think i'm gonna try it too on a couple that uh at the garden center that haven't done as well as i would like and see if that helps see if that helps protect those buds so spraying down all those stems making sure to leave the leaves down in the crown of the plant you know so something to think about my vegetable garden is completely cleaned up Okay. I discarded all my tomato plants. I picked up all the bad fruit. I got rid of all of that off my property. I added all the other, you know, organic matter into the compost pile and I've tilled the garden. It's ready for next year. Okay. I also have created a new plot for next year. Uh, it's about half an acre, three quarters of an acre. Soil has all been tilled. The cover crop is on. It's about six to eight inches high right now. Good organic matter going back into that soil. You know, so I've been doing some work to get ahead of schedule. Those of you who have been discussing and following the show all season know that I was very behind on my vegetable garden this past spring. Well, folks, you're not going to have any excuses next spring because I'm going to be jumping out of... Uh, off the gun here in the spring. As soon as Mother Nature is ready to go, I'm going to be ready to plant. I've done my prep work. I've done all of that. You still have time to prep a garden for next year, okay? So if you're interested in getting that vegetable garden ready, now's the time. You still have time. We're getting close. The ground's starting to freeze. You know, we're getting to that point where it could change very quickly, but you still can turn over that soil. You can get the add some compost, get a soil test, send it off to the state. So a lot of things you can do at this time of year. Hopefully you've thought about doing and planting all of your bulbs. Now's a perfect time, okay? They're going to root the ground's still thawed out. You know, it's a perfect time to get all those spring bulbs in, your tulips, your daffodils, your crocus, your hyacinths, all of the muscaris, and and, uh, fritillaria, and allium, and All of those wonderful bulbs that give us such a great show, now is a perfect time. And a couple things I like to do my bulbs at this time of year. Number one, there's not as many critters around. You know, when it's earlier in the season, you know, there's a lot of mice and animals and everything out there that can devour those bulbs. Now, the squirrels are thinking about hibernating. So they're off in the woods picking up those... Those lovely acorns that are all over the lawn. They're stockpiling. They're not thinking about the garden anymore because everything has kind of started to go dormant. So now they're looking for the nuts and the berries and all of the things that they can late fall to store for their winter harvest. So, you know, I find this time of year is a really good time to plant your bulbs. Plus, you really have ensured you're not going to have a whole heck of a lot of top growth. Okay you're going to basically root at this point. That's all you're going to do, which is perfect for bulbs. Great roots make great flowers in the spring. Okay, so make sure you get your bulbs in. Very important at this time. Have you started your paper whites indoors? Like we talked over the last few weeks, you know, planting them in multiple containers. Every couple weeks, you will have flowers on those paper whites all season. We'll also talk a little bit about amaryllis bulbs. A old tried-and-true favorite for indoors from Christmas time all the way until March. A great, great plant, but I'll give you some tips a little bit later in the show. We're going to talk about how you pick the perfect bulb, what you should look for at different stages when you're picking those bulbs, and so a whole host of different things we'll kind of talk about that. Have you thought about your birds? Okay, the birds, it's getting cold. They're hungry. Have you, have you got your suet out? That winter fat is very important for them, survival-wise. Have you freshened up your feeders? Maybe you have to re- refill your feeders at this point. Do you have good birds coming to your feeders at this point? If you don't, maybe we need to take a look at the location. If you have questions, you can submit them to our website, esterbrooksonline.com backslash radio. Submit them there, and we'll answer them on future shows. We're going to have a bunch of guests coming up in the future weeks. You know, coming up, I've contacted Johnny Select Seeds. We're going to have them come back and talk about all the new seed varieties for your vegetable garden. And or cut flowers. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But this week, we're going to talk with Barb Hartman from Espoma. And we're going to talk about dormant feeding. So a little bit later in the show, we'll talk about dormant feeding of all your plants and why we should do that. And how we should go about it. This is the perfect time of year to think about doing all that. Okay. Mouse Magic. We have Mouse Magic back in stock. Okay. I want to let everybody know we've had a huge rush on Mouse Magic. And we were out of stock for a little bit. But now we have more on the shelf. And it may disappear again. But we'll reorder again. And if you haven't heard about Mouse Magic, I did a segment on Channel 6 with Cindy Williams a number of weeks ago, and Mouse Magic is an organic way to push the mice right out of your house. It's a great product. Just set it down in the basement or any area that you have a problem with mice entering. At this point, it's getting late. You know, where are they going to go? Where are you going to push them to? So typically, we want to get that down as early as possible in the fall. Keep them from coming into the house. Have them make their nests someplace else. But it will help push them out. They will go someplace else. So think about putting some of that down. And it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas at Estabrooks. I know it's tough to think about it, but we're always a season ahead. So a lot of things going on at Estabrooks. And a couple things I wanted to talk about is our night out with Estabrooks. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that as we kind of go along. Um, it's a, going to be a wonderful evening, uh, for us. And we're, we have all kinds of new vendors coming in, all kinds of wonderful things. So a lot going on there, but let's take a question right now. Cause this, this is a hot topic this time of year. The question is, how do I pick a good amaryllis bulb and what should I look for? This is a prime question this time of year because we've got these wonderful amaryllis bulbs sitting there in the garden center. And you go into all the stores and you see these lovely boxed amaryllis. And of course, they're in a box. So how do you really know what you're getting? So first off, the thing is, you got to open up the box. okay, And it's very important because The boxed amaryllis typically are a lower-grade bulb than what you would typically find at a garden center just by themselves. You know, it's a great gift package. They will have great flowers. It's still a good quality bulb. It's not a concern. I like the boxed bulbs for a gift at Christmas. It's a very simple thing. It's easy. We sell a lot of them. But when I'm thinking about picking a really nice gift... I go for the specimen amaryllis bulbs. And these are bulbs that are much larger. They have much more power and impact of number of flowers. And here's a couple tips. Whenever you're looking for an amaryllis bulb, you want to first pick up the bulb and squeeze it. If it feels nice and firm with a little bit of give, that's a good sign. If you see a little bit of green top growth coming out of it, that's wonderful too, okay? The other trick is if you want an amaryllis that is going to bloom earlier rather than later, and this is always a disappointing factor I find, customers get really frustrated because they may want their amaryllis to be in bloom for a certain time. Say you want it for Christmas, okay? So here's a tip if you want an early amaryllis bulb. When you come into the garden center, you always look for the bulb that has a flower bud emerging from it already. I'll say that again. So when you come into the garden center or any store, you look for a bulb that has a flower bud emerging already. Okay, so when you look at the bulbs, you'll see a lot of times the bulb will be swelling and you'll be able to see the flower bud down inside or you will see the flower bud has already emerged two or three inches above above the bulb. Now, what that tells me is that the bulb is already pushing towards blooming. If you look at a bulb and it's completely dormant, it has no real green growth to it, there's no swelling at the stem, you don't see any bulging, that tells me it's going to be a much later bulb, probably going to bloom in February or March. If you buy them with the bloom stems starting to come up, what will happen is it'll bloom in probably December or January. So a big difference. If you're giving a gift and you want to give two, pick two that are at different stages. And that way they're going to have basically color from probably late December all the way till March or April. And I know if my grandmother loves amaryllis bulbs, and what we do is we plant some periodically for her. And that's what we'll do is we won't necessarily care as much on the color, but what we'll look for is the stage of the bulb. Okay, so very important when you look at that, look at the stage of the bulb. Secondly, don't put amaryllis bulbs in a really big pot, one size larger than the actual bulb. You want just a little bit of soil underneath and a little bit of soil around the the edges. Don't bury the crown, leave them up high. Water thoroughly and then let dry out in between waterings. We want them to root, we don't want them to stay wet. So amaryllis can be a little bit finicky if we don't get roots to them. The other situation is you can put them on top of the refrigerator. Okay, and this is a little trick I, I found out. The heat from the top of the refrigerator will make them root. You kind of create a bottom heat situation where it warms the soil, but the air temperature is the same as in the house. And what will happen is the roots will go to that heat and you'll build a nice root system and then take it and plant and set it in the sunny window. So it's a great way to kind of get a good root system on the amaryllis bulb, but definitely not too big a pot. Something that is shorter and fatter is a better situation because we don't want a lot of soil underneath, but amaryllis give us just an amazing show in the off season, but you need to think about them early. So, you know, Thanksgiving to Christmas is the perfect time to buy them and plant them and then they'll come on over the the whole holiday season. And when I say holiday season, I'm talking Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, all the way to Easter. Okay, so it's nice to have that. It's kind of the same thing with planting your paper whites every so often. You'll have kind of something coming on all the time. These larger bulbs will have two, three, four, and five stems that will come out of them. The smaller the bulb, the fewer the flowers and the fewer the stems you're going to have. In future shows, we'll talk about how to overwinter them and get them to rebloom, but we're not going to talk about that now. We're just talking about planting and how to get. Give some beautiful amaryllis for your whole holiday season. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from The Joy of Gardening on News Talk W L O B. Mm-hmm.
1: We know you have lots of choices when buying plants and garden supplies. Wouldn't you rather come to someone at your local garden center where you know us and we know you?
2: Someone who knows Maine's soil, Maine's climate, and knows what plants
0: will thrive here.
1: Someone who will make sure you find what you're looking for here or at one of our other
0: independent garden centers. We support each other and work together to satisfy you.
1: Wouldn't you rather come to your local garden center? We're the independent garden centers of Maine at maineigc.com. For over 60 years, Wiltproof has provided the most effective protection against moisture loss in plants under water stress,
2: and no other product comes close. Our non hazardous organic and biodegradable film is like having several layers of protection. As the outside layer of Wiltproof wears off with the weather, another layer forms. Wiltproof is the only horticulture anti-transparent that has the ability to provide this long-lasting protection. Put your trust in Wiltproof. Check out their site at wiltproof.com. That's wilt-proof, p dot
0: com. Welcome back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estherbrook. Just talking about Amaryllis there before the break. It's the dog days of late fall and early winter. Tough time of year. You know, it's tough to get motivated about gardening this time of year. You know, it's been a long season. I hope you can look back and think about your garden at this time of year. It's a good time to take a walk around your yard and reflect. It's a good time to think back about the vegetable garden, what worked well, what didn't. I talk a lot about making notes because I find when we start to think about Our gardens come early spring. It's good to have a little reminder notebook of the things that you did well and the things that you didn't. Areas where you might improve. Maybe you needed to space things out a little bit more. It's always good to have that. So when you start to think about planning, you really have good notes. Because a whole season later, three months, four months, five months, six months, my brain just can't remember all that stuff. So just making some simple notes and then maybe also translating that to a calendar. You know, maybe you have just a calendar that you have in your phone. Maybe it's a calendar that you have on the wall. Whatever it might be to make some simple notes. Hey, I need to seed the lawn a few weeks earlier. It re- I really got going too late or fix the plow damage earlier. Or whatever it might be. You know, things that you just didn't quite go the way you wanted to. Oh, I should have got my lawn fertilizer down a couple weeks earlier. It was really warm last spring and I, I wasn't able to get it down early enough. Or whatever the, it might be. For me, the vegetable garden was overplanted this year. I ran into some insect and disease problems because I overplanted. Because I was late, I planted a little too thick. And, you know, it's a common problem. I was last minute. I quickly made a garden. I quickly went to the gardens, you know, garden center. I threw a bunch of stuff on the cart with no plan. I basically did the complete opposite of what I tell you to do. And it showed. It showed in my yield on my beans. It showed in my cabbage, broccoli, and cauliflower, and Brussels sprouts. They all grew together. The crop was not as good as I would have liked. My herbs got overgrown and went to seed because they didn't have enough room. My peppers didn't do very well because I got them planted too late. They already had fruit on them. So I made all kinds of mistakes, and it reminds me that we all can make mistakes in our garden. A garden, year in and year out, will or will not do well, depending on how you plan. And I planned poorly last year. I really did a terrible job. So I've put in place some of the steps to get ahead. So I knew halfway through the season that I was in trouble. There wasn't much I could do, but I made a goal to myself of I was going to prep for next year. I was going to have the garden all ready. I was going to have a cover crop in. And so I've done all the steps I can this fall. Now I'm moving on to my planning stage. So I'm basically staking out the area I actually think I'm going to garden. And then the remainder of the area, I'm going to probably plant some pumpkins, gourds, a, a whole bunch of fall product for the stores. But what I'm I'm done is I'm kind of lining out how much space I'm going to give everything, making sure I have good rows to get in and making sure that I'm I'm doing the due diligence I should. So if you weren't as successful as you would like, I suspect some of those problems, you had the same problems. Everything always grows bigger than you think it's going to. So give it plenty of space. It's going to make a huge, huge difference. So I'm planning that. I planted a couple trees last week, planning on giving them plenty of room. So I'm still planting. If the ground is thawed out, you still can get some of those dormant trees in the ground. If you're still planting and you're planting trees, you want to make sure you have good stakes. Stake the tree because it's not going to root a ton this fall. But you still can put in late dormant trees. You know, whether you want to put a maple, you know, or an oak or some other nice hardwoods, you still can plant them. It's a great time they're going to root rather than grow. So think about all of those things, okay? Okay. It's very important this time of year. You have still have opportunities to garden, but it's tough. This time of year, if you're thinking about moving plants, we're getting kind of late, okay? And the reason being is I'm concerned we're going to damage the root system, and then we're going to move it, and then it's going to freeze up very, very soon after. So we're getting too late in that process of moving and transplanting. I usually like to think of around mid-October You know, we need to start thinking about being done with moving plants. Now, there's always that situation. You know, you have to move something. You've got construction going on, you know, or you're planning construction for spring. Maybe you have to move it. That's fine. Just realize you might have some damage. Now, perfect situation for wilt proof. Okay. Spray them down. Make sure you get all the stems Help with that desiccation. And then key to success is water and root stimulator, okay? And get the biggest root system you can. But if you don't have to at this time of year, then wait until early spring. Now, again, mark on that calendar, you know, mid-March. You know, as soon as the ground is thawed out and things have firmed up and, you know, it's not what we like to call mud season in Maine, move your plants, early before they start to bloom, before they start to leaf out. And let's face it, folks, every single spring, the thermostat turns up very quickly. So you need a very short window to move plants in the spring. Okay, so very, very important to keep on top of that. If there are specific things you know you're going to move in the spring, mark on the calendar. You know, mark mid-March, 1st to April. I've got to do this this week, especially with certain things. Magnolia would be a one I would be very cautious about moving, you know, in the spring. Okay, you need to do it before it flowers and it comes on very quickly. So that's one you want to get in there and do early. Your evergreens, you can go a little bit later. You know, you're probably mid-April, you know, late April you have until. All your deciduous plants, important to think about doing those before they leaf out if you can, up until probably mid-April. Okay, so think about all of that in the spring. I know that's a long ways away, and we'll be talking about that as we get closer on the show. So continue to follow us. If you have questions that you want answered, answer, give us a uh, an email on our website at estabrooksonline.com backslash radio. You can submit questions, and we are in our off-season taping of the show. So certainly submit those. I'm sure there'll be all kinds of damage on plants and stuff. Stuff as we get ice and snow and all that fun stuff. I'm kind of holding off on that for a bit, though. We're not going to worry about snow and ice and all of that for, for a bit here now. I got another question here, and the question is, will my mums overwinter or should I pick them out of the garden and clean up? Okay, so garden mums, you know, we've got a couple different types. We've got perennial types, and then we've got our fall garden mums. And I suspect we're talking about our fall garden mums. That's the most common, you know, in our situation, in our climate. We do sell perennial mums also. Okay, so if you have perennial mums, now's the time to think about cutting them back, just like any other perennial. And those will overwinter, and they'll do well year in and year out. They take quite a bit of maintenance and quite a bit of pruning back and pinching in the season in order to look good in the fall. Now, if you bought garden mums, and they're for sale everywhere, let's face it. But if you bought them from us, garden mums are, you probably have about a 20% chance they're going to live. That's it. So for me, the way a garden mum will overwinter the best is not to cut it back and just leave it be. Making sure that it's good and moist right into late fall. Now, with a 20% success rate, my suggestion is pull them out. It's not worth looking at the mess all winter, in my opinion. If you want to give it a go, eh, no harm done. What's the worst that happens? They die. But what I will say is it's really, really nice to look out at a clean landscape all winter. Now, the birds will kind of peck at the seeds, so there's some positives there. But other than that, I don't really see a whole heck of a lot of positive of leaving them in. So my suggestion is go ahead, pull them out, put them in the compost pile or discard them. And don't worry about it. Move on. They're a very inexpensive plant. In the fall to plant, you get great bang for your buck. Good flower time frame. And one other thing that keeps coming up, which I find interesting and, you know, wanted to speak a little bit about mums. I'm not sure if customers understand this, so I want to explain. There are early, mid, late, and season-extending mums, okay? So for you to think you're going to come in in late August or early September and buy a mum and it's going to last until November is not realistic. And we've had a bunch of customers kind of coming in and out this year, not quite understanding that, my suggestion for mums when you plant them in the fall is don't plant them all at once. And if you are going to plant them all at once, then talk to your garden center and ask them, do they have mums that flower at different stages? Because typically in the stores, what you're seeing is you're seeing the ones that are cracking color the earliest. So what you're finding is The early bloomers are on the bench for sale, and then the mid-season, as they start to come on, come onto the bench, and then the late ones come onto the bench, and then the season extenders, which bloom in mid-October into November. Now, it's been a great mum year this year. We've sold a lot of our mums on the green side, meaning they weren't in full bloom. So with mums, it's one of those things that, You want to know what you're buying when you purchase them. Because the last thing we want is for you to be disappointed down the road. So, early on when you're adding color to your garden, those are probably early varieties. They're going to last four to six weeks. After that, you dig them up and discard them. My recommendation is when you dig up your early season, you plant cabbage and kale in their place. Don't put another mum in. But you come in and you buy your mums three or four times throughout the fall and get three or five, and continually adding in some in different areas as you clean and cut back and make space in your garden. And what will happen is you'll start to get mums that are blooming at different stages. And then as you go later on into the season, you think about adding other things instead of mums. You start thinking about adding some of the grasses, annual grasses. You start thinking about adding marigolds. Marigolds to me are a wonderful plant for fall. They hold up better than mums. They continue to rebloom. They take better frost. Great, great plant. We have them in three colors yellow, orange, you know, but it's late, okay? So they'll hold up. And then the cabbage and kale, they go right to Thanksgiving and look great. So adding in some of those things after you've planted some of your mums are a really important thing. And we'll talk more about this le- next fall. Because I think it's an important thing. And, you know, I make notes on these questions for later on down the road, too. Things we need to re-bring up and talk about. Because a lot of times, the feedback we get from the show is great, but it's a little bit late to cover it again. But with mums, I think it's important to understand that. So, let's recap. We're going to dig up the mums because most of them are going to die anyways. At this time of year, we still, if you can find cabbage and kale, you still can add in some of that. Maybe some of your containers don't look as good, and you may look to add a grass to it. You may actually look to add, you know, a marigold or something else that will hold up to the frost in here in November. So that we still have a few things kicking around. Okay. And basically, we're going to start to plan for next year also. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on Newstalk WLOB.
1: At Coast of Maine Organic Products, we've known for a long time that plants love lobster just as much as people do. It's one of the reasons we started composting marine residuals back in 1996, And although we've had great success in getting gardeners and their plants hooked on lobster throughout New England, the Mid-Atlantic, and Midwest, the heart and soul of what we do is here in Maine. Plants love lobster because the calcium and chitin in the lobster shells break down in the composting process and become plant-ready food that help to make your plants strong and healthy. And of course, the plants don't use any butter, so they're even healthier. So support your local retailer and Maine's lobster industry by using Coast of Maine's Quaddy lobster compost in your garden. Coast of Maine, a lobster compost company. Approved for organic growers by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. Visit us at www.coastofmaine.com.
0: Welcome back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook. We've been talking about all kinds of late fall, you know, things to prepare and what you need to do. And uh, one of those key things that a lot of customers don't do is, uh, you know, dormant fertilization of their plants. And uh, so we've got Bob Hartman from uh, Spoma. Bob, how are you today? Doing great, Tom. So plants, it's early November, November 2nd. Let's face it, you know, everything's pretty much dormant up here in Maine. I don't know about down in New Jersey. It's pretty close. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's the dog days of kind of late fall, early winter here in Maine. And dormant feeding is something that a lot of our customers have kind of gravitated to. Tell us some of the reasons why a customer would think about, you know, dormant feeding their plants. What's the pros and cons?
2: Well, I think, you know, anytime. time... Uh, nutritionally balanced plants obviously have the best chance of withstanding um, winter conditions. So, I mean, feeding plants obviously is important, but with doing it after they've gone dormant is good because, especially with organics, it'll it'll release the nitrogen and the potassium and the phosphorus much slower over the winter, um, so that when the plants are actually ready to accept the nutrients in the spring, um, you know they'll be readily available in the soil and the and the, and the plants will have a much better chance of coming out of dormancy in the spring. Mm-hmm.
0: So does it help with with root development? I mean, are there specific products like Biotone that you would recommend, you know, to put on maybe a plant that's a little bit more stressed?
2: Yeah, you know, Biotone um, is unique because they're the actual microbes that, that help um, digest or let's call it convert these nutrients and make them more readily available for the plant. So as the plant uptakes them, uh, it 's a lot easier for them they 're kind of like teeth chewing food and making it available for a human. Uh, they do the same thing for a plant. They just make the nutrients much more available
0: okay and what let 's talk up a little bit about you know plant tone, holly tone. What choices you know should customers make you know, and is the rate any different than what 's on the bag in the fall? Or should you just follow the the label?
2: So I would follow the label. Um, you know, the, the benefits of holly tone are the differences between holly tone and plant tone. We like to say that holly tone are for acid-loving plants. And for those of you who don't know what an acid-loving plant is, they're basically evergreen plants, plants like um, azaleas, camellias, rhododendrons, hemlocks, um, magnolias. Those are great acid-loving plants, and they like an acidic soil. When we have an elemental sulfur in holly tone, which keeps the pH low, so that the because um, that's what the plants thrive in and actually take the nutrients up better. We have Plant Tone, which is really an all-purpose uh, organic plant food, and that's really for everything else. So, if you had only two bags of fertilizer uh, in your in your shed or your garage, you'd want to have a Holly Tone and a Plant Tone, and that would really do everything uh, probably in your yard.
0: Mm-hmm. And as far as rate, you know, pretty much the rate on the same rate as spring is fine. Or
1: yeah,
2: we don't, you know. We do say that you should do it you know twice a year, and, and we don 't really feel the need um, you know to cut it back too much if, if you 're doing it from a dormant perspective, you could put a little less, mm-hmm. um, but you know obviously we 're in the feeding business, we want people to feed their plants absolutely with an organics you 're not going to burn the plant by putting more down you 're just maybe not getting as much of a benefit uh, when you when you over fertilize with it
0: and let 's talk a little bit about okay we 're dormant feeding, and i want customers to understand what dormant feeding is. So if you could kind of go into that a little bit.
2: Well, typically the plants, <clears throat> and I would tell you that after the first frost or maybe deciduous trees, after they lose their leaves, um, the plants kind of go dormant. And then typically what will happen is, is people will put down um, plant food uh, to get it into the soil so that when the plants are becoming um, active in the spring, um, they'll take up the nutrients. You really don't want to feed your plants too close to the winter to keep, to keep them from going dormant. So if you fed them too soon, um, they would probably not go in dormancy as quickly. And, and plants in this area of the country, they need to go dormant for the winter. You don't want them actively growing because they wouldn't have the hardiness they need to, to survive the winter.
0: Yeah. And what we what we would call that is a perfect scenario, which this year we've had a wonderful fall. It's what we would call an Indian summer. You know, uh, you know, just the summer season just continued to extend here in Maine. You know, 70 degrees in October is just phenomenal for Maine. You know, normally we're down in the 50s and, you know, cold and windy. And this year's been beautiful. So a, a great Indian summer. And that's the reason why I always kind of push towards really november is a perfect month for us for dormant feeding here in maine is that change a little bit as you go south it
2: would change a little bit just because it takes a little bit longer as you go contiguously south um but you know we are and um, we're, we're at new jersey it takes a little bit longer um but that's a great uh time of the year for maine
0: mm-hmm. yep yeah all the leaves are down here now you know do you still have leaves kind of on the trees or are they coming down quite a bit now
2: Believe it or not they're actually still green um mm. in a lot of areas but they are slowly changing um you know with the the the, the amount of daylight um that's going on um they are changing but uh, a little slow in this part of the country right now.
0: Okay, Bob, here's the big question. I'm going to put you on the spot. What's okay. n- what's new for next spring? Anything exciting?
2: You know, we've we've relaunched our garden soils and um in in our potting mixes, we've added some worm castings, um, which customers have really been asking for. And the worm castings are actually a fertilizer charge. And we're really excited about those soils and potting mixes. So we have an all-purpose garden soil this year, and we have a flower and vegetable garden soil for for those avid gardeners who are looking for something very specific for their plants.
0: Okay, well, we'll be uh, definitely in touch. We'll have you back on talking about all the new things and getting closer to spring, so uh, I appreciate it. Bob Hartman from uh, Espoma Organics, thanks a lot, Bob. Thank you, Tom. All right, have a great day. And so, Bob, you know, fall fertilization is something that you may do or may not do. It really isn't, you know, crucial. It's a question of, uh, and I like to use this, Dormant feeding is a great situation if you know you don't have time first thing in the spring. Or if it's an area where you have a lot of heavy snow and you always can't get the fertilizer in there. You know, maybe it's the area where a lot of that snow comes off of the roof and, you know, really kind of comes down, you know, uh, and you can't get in there early. But the plants would really benefit. Or you have some plants that have struggled along a little bit this year. Maybe they got heat stressed in the summer months. You know, maybe they just, you move them or they're new plants. It's a great way to kind of get the plants in the best situation going into next spring. Unfortunately, we just really never know what our conditions are going to be year in and year out. And spring is kind of one of those months for us, you know, which I like to call, you know, March, April, May, spring. Um, You never know which month is going to be nice. And when we have that early start, having that fertilizer there is just a huge, huge positive for a lot of plants. If you have fresh plants you put in this fall, a dormant feed a great, great way to kind of get things jump-started and have a really good growing season next year. So thanks, Bob. Appreciate uh, the information. Espoma is, in my opinion, one of the best products for dormant feeding. You want to use an organic and you want to use something that is based naturally. You don't want any Miracle Grows or any type of, you know, high nitrogen fertilizers. And I agree with Bob. You can go a little bit lighter as a dormant feed. So don't feel like you have to use the spring rate. You can lighten up a little bit because we're really feeding the roots. So all good information when it comes to making sure your plants are in good shape. Now, speaking of plants and making sure they're in good shape going into fall. So now's the crucial time, and we've been talking about water all season long. And to begin the show, I talked about, you know, now's the time to think about winding up those hoses and putting them away and shutting the water off outside. This is the time of year that is most crucial for plants. It's the time when we want to do our last watering of the season. And I know the plants have dropped all their leaves They've done everything they need to do all season. Now it's time to make sure those root systems are nice and full of moisture. Nice and full of moisture. I'm going to say that again. So before we dormant feed, we're actually going to water the plants. So go out, water all those plants that you've put in the ground this year. Your established plants, light watering won't hurt. If you've got evergreens, it's important to water them. You know, the hydrangea that's been in the ground for 10 years, don't worry about that. But the evergreens, good to get a watering on. And then after you're done watering, you can go in and throw the dormant feed in on top. I don't really want to water the feed in. I want Mother Nature to kind of naturally do that. So if you've got rhododendrons, any evergreen trees, mountain laurels, boxwoods, all of those things give a last watering and then wind up the hose, drain the hose, and put it away. Shut off the water then the gardening season is done. You've pretty much done everything you can. In future shows, we're going to talk about what we should be pruning in the winter months. Things that we can go out and kind of think about wrapping up. Now, what I do want to talk about is we've got a wonderful event coming up. It's an evening with Esther Brooks, and it's on November 14th. And I wanted to talk a little bit about this because it's going to be a fun evening. Okay, it's from 3 to 7. Everybody is invited. But normally we don't stay open this late. So we're starting our holiday season early this year. And what we're doing is it's not its not just Estabrook selling. We're bringing in the folks from main markets, local artisans, jewelry makers, crafts, all kinds of wonderful things. And they're going to be setting up in our yard and in the greenhouse and all over the place. Now, this... Evening with Esther Brooks it's going to be the small market. Okay? So we're going to have up to 10 vendors that are going to be there, a whole host of different people. Bring your friends. It's going to be a fun night out. Rosemont Bakery is going to be there and doing a wine tasting. Okay? So bring the girls, bring the family. You know, we're going to have all kinds of things. We're going to be talking, you know, about how to put your greens in your window boxes to make them look good. We're going to have a centerpiece and boxwood tree making kind of going on. So you can see how to do it, how much material you need, how it's done. Again, the wine tasting, we're going to have some kind of showing you how to do terrariums and fairy gardens to get the kids involved. And I think those two things are really important. So bring the kids early, you know, earlier in the day, three to five o'clock, you know, something like that. You know, we'll have a bunch of that stuff going on. We've got LED Christmas lights that you can put in your house plants. They're on batteries, they're very low voltage, you know, but they're really cool. It'll turn your house plants into Christmas decorations, but very simple. They're on a timer. They come on and off. Very simple, simple things. So it's time to think about decking the halls. And one thing that I wanted to tell you was we'll have Thanksgiving kind of centerpieces. And one of the things we're doing is we'll be doing centerpieces for Thanksgiving. And then part of the deal will be you can bring those back and we'll pull out all the Thanksgiving stuff and we'll put in all kinds of Christmas stuff. Okay, so it gives you an opportunity to actually save money on that centerpiece that you always get at Thanksgiving time. And we'll have different options too, kind of talking about all that. So a whole host of kind of things going on. It's going to be a fun evening. Our staff is really excited about it. You know, our Christmas greens will be arriving. You know, so some of the material will be available outside wreaths, all of that type of stuff will be starting to show up. The Christmas trees will not be there for this event. It's still a little early. I know it's November 2nd and I'm talking about wreaths and trees and all that. But you want to want, folks, it goes by really quick. And the reason we're doing some of these events is there is a very compressed decorating season this year. I personally think it's going to be important that, and I think this is a great opportunity, I think you should purchase a large portion of of your decorating needs before Thanksgiving this year. And take the opportunity when you have a workforce at your house for Thanksgiving dinner is that it's a wonderful opportunity as a family to decorate for Christmas. It's the way it should be done. It's the way it used to be done. Instead of gifts and worrying about Black Friday and going Thanksgiving Day, I know now the stores are open on Thanksgiving Day. We are not open on Thanksgiving, folks. That's for family. We're not going to open on Thanksgiving. Now, all these other stores are starting to open up on Thanksgiving. Give me a break. When is there downtime in this world? When is there fun? When is there pie and football and naps? I mean, come on. So, to me, take this opportunity. Come to the garden center. And get your early stuff. Get your roping. Get your Christmas lights. And this is one thing, Christmas lights, we'll talk about a little bit more in the show. Get your wreaths. Get all of that stuff so you can put it up Thanksgiving Day. And what's that going to do? Uh, big fresh, you know, sigh. Man, that's done. Take down the corn stalks, take all the fall containers, start to switch them over, get all your greens, your fir and your pine and your, all of those. If you have woods behind your house, you can you know harvest some of that. And it's usually still warm enough where it's fun to do. So think about that. And we'll come back and talk a little bit more about all of these things. But we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB.
1: Have you ever discovered a $10 bill hiding in an old pair of jeans? A forgotten surprise can just make your day. Create your own spring garden surprise by planting bulbs this fall. Simply tuck away a few daffodil, hyacinth, or tulip bulbs right now and then enjoy their color and fragrance next spring before other plants awaken from their winter nap. You'll find a great selection ready to plant at Estabrooks in Yarmouth. To learn more, visit EstabrooksOnline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Fall is in the air, leaves are changing, pumpkins turning, and fall is the best time to plant trees, shrubs, and perennials. You can buy your plants and garden supplies almost anywhere wouldn't you rather come to your local garden center we're the independent garden centers of maine working together to ensure you the customer gets the best quality advice and service visit us at mainigc.com to see the closest igc member near you then stop by your local member garden center where we'll help you select the best product for maine's climate and soil we work together to satisfy you visit us at mainigc.com.
0: Welcome back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrook. I'm Tom Estabrook, and we've been talking Thanksgiving and Christmas and all kinds of lovely stuff. I know it's a tough time of year to start thinking about all these things, and I know it's like three weeks away, but this is kind of a, a pet peeve of mine, I guess. You know, being open on Thanksgiving just doesn't doesn't make sense to me. So, you know, we've been talking about, you know, taking that opportunity where we have a compressed holiday season. It's going to be stressful if you wait. Normally, everything's about a week later. So if you think about buying your stuff the week before Thanksgiving, it probably is the same week you bought stuff last year, the week after Thanksgiving. It's just the difference is this year... Instead of the holiday fairs being on, you know, the 5th, they're on the 8th or 7th. You know, it's just the way everything falls, you're losing out on one extra weekend. And the way everything falls, it's going to be hectic. So if you can take that opportunity, the other big thing I love to do, and I know it's tough to get out there and do this, but put the Christmas lights up when it's warm Pick a warm night. We always have those one or two warm nights. And Thanksgiving could be one of those nights. But put them up. It doesn't mean you have to turn them on. And I'm not saying it needs to be Thanksgiving night you put them up. Maybe it's this week. So pull out the Christmas lights now. And I actually store my Christmas lights all together. And so they're not actually with the rest of my Christmas decorations. I think the biggest thing customers make a problem is they they store their Christmas lights with their Christmas decorations, and they're mixed in. So you don't know which tote they're in. You don't know where they are in the attic. And so you got to rummage through everything to find them. So I keep mine separate, and I label them Christmas lights. If you believe that, good for you. Okay, because I don't have a label, but actually they're in my garage. I don't store them away with the rest of the Christmas stuff. I actually leave them right in the garage for the whole year because I know it's going to be the first thing I'm going to want to go looking for, and I want to make it convenient. And you never know when you need a good set of Christmas lights at some point during the season for some decorating project, you know, your wife might have, or, you know, a neighbor needs to borrow them for some event they're doing or something. So Christmas lights, you know, they end up getting used all season long. Now, I talked a couple weeks ago about these spheres and globes that are different colors. You know, oranges and purples and blues and, you know, reds, greens, yellows. So all kinds of different colors. So if you have some of those, you can purchase those and put those up in the fall season. Now, my suggestion is if you put some of these spheres up for your fall season, think about moving them for the Christmas season. Okay, so hang them in one area for your holidays, you know, whether it be Halloween and Thanksgiving, and then think about moving them to have a different look for your Christmas season so it doesn't kind of just all run together. I know it's a little extra work, but just changing it up may be really important to the look of your home. So let's get the Christmas lights out, and we'll start the process of figuring out whether they work or not. Let's face it. All the Christmas lights are out there. They're on the shelf. They're easy to buy at this time of year, you know, but put them up now. Don't plug too many strings together, you know, figure out if you want colored lights or if you want clear. Are you buying and going to invest in some LED lights that are going to have your energy much lower? We only sell commercial grade Christmas lights and they're a lifetime guarantee they have great fuses that, you know, that you can interchange. They don't go out if one light goes out. They're heavy wire. They fold up and and are easy to store. Personally, you get what you pay for. If you buy really cheap lights, they're basically throwaway. At the end of the season, just take them and throw them in the trash. I've had my lights for over 15, 20 years. I've replaced maybe two light bulbs, two fuses, and they're simple and easy to use. You can put 300 foot strings together without blowing a fuse. And so it's very simple if you follow the guidelines. So don't be Mr. Griswold and think that you're going to put the whole house on one circuit. Okay. Fire hazards are always something we want to be concerned about at Christmas time. The last thing we want to do is overload some circuits and be in a situation where we have problems with the house and the Christmas tree and everything else. So good quality Christmas lights will make a huge difference. So get out there. Think about testing the lights. Don't test them the night you want to go ahead and put them up. Figure out what you need, how much you need. You know, I have a new home. I didn't put Christmas lights up last year. I figured I'd take a year off. I'd figure out exactly the lay of the land. This year, I've got a good idea what I'm going to do, how I'm going to lay out the wires, what I'm going to do for extension cords, all of that. I'm already kind of thinking about that. The other thing I've done is I put my stakes down my driveway for all that wonderful winter snow we're going to have. That pretty much wraps up our our show today. I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, I know it's the dog days of fall, you know, but... Keep on listening. We've got a whole bunch of other tips kind of coming forward, a whole bunch of new things for 2014. Get out there, enjoy your garden, and enjoy your Saturday. Have a great day.